Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, a lot of polls out this week. And in all of them, at the bottom, there's Jeb Bush. And at the top, to many people's surprise, including my own, Ben Carson, doing great at this point in the campaign. Yeah, I think in the Real Clear Politics average for the first time in over three months, Ben Carson is now you know tied with tiny bit ahead of actually Donald Trump. So Donald Trump having been atop the polls for three and a half months, pretty amazing. I didn't expect it. Uh, now is uh, marginally behind Ben Carson, who has shown continuing strength, keeps moving up, and who knows where his uh, top is. Um, Jeb Bush, I guess, in both post-debate polls, is at four percent. Four percent. I mean. You know, Cruz and Rubio were 12 and 13, 13, 14, something like that, clearly pulling away now from Jeb Bush. And one does wonder, I do wonder, if he doesn't do something pretty dramatic in the debate Tuesday night, uh, what the rationale for Jeb Bush staying in is. He could drop money and attack Rubio, his super PAC could, but that, that'll just help someone else. It's not going to help him if he's at 4% with 99% name ID and a very well-known guy. What's the, what's the narrative that gets him going again? Do you, do you think there is one, Michael? I well, don't, I'm, I'm my question is, what was the narrative to get into this race in the first place? I mean, it's just, it really, it's almost like you're, you know, casting, uh, you know, a movie in 2015 and a star from the 1970s. You know, Jim Rockford comes pulling up in the Trans Am and goes, hey, I'm ready for my leading role. I, there was a time for a Jeb Bush, but that time is clearly not here, and it's never been here. Well, the narrative, I think, the, yeah, that he thought would work, uh, apart from obviously people liked him, liked him, but other people thought, you know, Romney staggered to the nomination against a field of unelectable conservatives, Dole in 96, and that's what the Republican Party does. So Jeb has the money. He outlasts everyone. They all rise and fall, like the Herman Keynes and Michelle Bachmans of the world, and Jeb survives. It didn't work out quite that way, even though Walker blew up, which you might have thought would be the strongest challenge to Jeb. If, think of this. Nine months ago, if, if you told the conventional wisdom types, uh, Bush is going to run, or let's say a year ago, and Scott Walker is going to go nowhere and be out of the race by October. Right. People would have said, wow, that's great for Jeb Bush. But instead, um, obviously, uh, Cruz and Rubio, at least, and maybe others as well, are credible alternatives in a way that I don't think. Herman Cain and Michelle Bachman, and probably not Rick Santorum or Newt Gingrich were. And Trump and, and Carson are just sitting on top of the race with half the vote between them, uh, and which has not been going down. I mean, Trump has peaked a little bit and gone down a bit, but Carson has more than made up for that. Uh, Fiorina's still around, very close to Bush, actually. So, yeah, it's just hard to see what Bush now says that reintroduces himself and makes the case for him. Well, what's happened with Jeb is restoring my faith in the Republican Party. I mean, Jeb is, uh, he's the liver candidate. No matter how you serve it, it's still liver. And uh, so that's that. I'm much more interested in how Ben Carson, who I, I, it's hard for me to focus on Ben Carson because I don't have a vision in my mind of President Ben Carson. You look behind the desk, the red phone is ringing, you know, the Russians are moving into Ukraine, ISIS is on the march, uh, you know, a plane has just gone down, let's call Ben Carson, but clearly I'm out of step with the GOP, at least at the moment. Yeah, and they may come into step as they get closer to voting and decide that he's an admirable man and a great surgeon and a wonderful American success story, but, but shouldn't be president. But for now, they're willing to consider the possibility of his being president, which I think is a healthy thing. I think what you said is very important, and you've been, God knows, a critic of the GOP. You've been very worried about how weak its brand is. But I think in the last two, three weeks, the, the emergence of Paul Ryan, replacement of Boehner by Ryan, and now the collapse of Jeb Bush, and I, I say this without rancor against Jeb Bush, but uh, a, a Ryan 
uh, Rubio, Ryan Rubio slash Cruz slash Carson GOP, from my point of view, is just so different from a Boehner Bush GOP and or Boehner Trump Bush GOP. Now, Trump's still there, so I don't want to rule him out prematurely. I have enjoyed the fact that Carson is a tiny bit ahead of him. <laughs> Maybe that'll, that'll get into Trump's skin. But look at Carson. It's amazing. His favorable, unfavorable is sort of is out of sight. Uh, he's got 800,000 donors, almost all of them, obviously, small donors. I think he got 10 million, raised $10 million in October. When you have small donors like that, you can go back to them. So he'll raise another 10 or 15 million in November and the same in December if he, unless he makes some huge mistakes. Um, so he's not going anywhere. And I, the question I had breakfast this, uh, yesterday with a very uh, intelligent Republican political operative. And the question for on Carson is, is this ultimately kind of the Huckabee campaign? Attractive guy, better politician than people realized, uh, gets the conservative kind of evangelical Christian vote, but ultimately kind of tops out at 25% or so uh, in most states, because that's where that vote tops out. Or is his reach further? And for now, it's, it looks like his reach could be greater. I mean, the numbers of approval, disapproval, the, dis, the approval, disapproval numbers are just off the charts. And he is just such an impressive and interesting character. So I wrote in the editorial that uh, I was reconsidering what I had said about two months ago, that neither Trump nor Carson was really qualified to be president. I, uh, Carson's qualifications are unusual, but I'm willing to say that I really have a different attitude towards Carson than I than I do to Trump. I really don't think Trump should be the nominee. I'm, I'm open-minded about Carson. I think he'll have to prove a lot in these next few debates and, and otherwise that he really, you. so people like you and me, maybe we're just a little conventional, <laughs> right. imagine him sitting behind the desk in the Oval Office. But uh, that Facebook post he, he posted this week that's already got hundreds of thousands of likes and has gone semi-viral is a very moving account of sort of what he has devoted himself to in his life and why he thinks he does want to devote himself now to helping the country as president. Uh, and this is where the conversation I, I have with my father, who's an evangelical Christian, has been involved in Republican politics since the uh, moral majority movement, Jerry Falwell, et cetera. The difference between a good person and a good president. And there's, you know, there's, it doesn't, those two circles don't completely overlap. But here's what I am fascinated by. And this is why I, I, I hate being at all optimistic, Bill, as you know, about the GOP, right. because if there's anybody who can find a way to ruin a one-person parade, it's the GOP. But the GOP leading nominee is going to be on Saturday Night Live this weekend, and it's probably going to be pretty good from a Saturday Night Live entertainment standpoint. In other words, non-political, apolitical people are going to watch a show and be entertained by the Republican, not the Democrat, the Republican nominee. Right behind him or next to him, whatever, is the the uh, uh, brain surgeon. You can't dispute the intellectual firepower of the you know pr prominent brain surgeon who also is black and rose from tremendous poverty. Uh, and he, those are the two leaders. And then you go right behind them and you got a couple of Cuban kids who are full of new ideas and youth and energy. And then back there somewhere, there's a woman who did something really cool and there's a libertarian. And then you just go, wow, this, could this be the, through uh, uh, the, uh, the, the upside? The downside is all these candidates. The upside is, could this be the new brand for the GOP emerging, that the history of the GOP before now is going to become a lot less relevant Relevant to how people see it today. No, I think that's really a good point. And I, I think you could, I've wondered about this myself. 
I mean, what, which is a better situation to have all these candidates with some, which has real drawbacks and problems of cluttering the field. And, and then there's Trump and who you and I don't think should be the nominee kind of sitting there with his 24, 25% uh, taking an awful lot of media attention and, and sort of blocking others perhaps from making their case. So that's, a, that's one set of problems. What about the Democrats? Hillary Clinton kind of alone, the only challenger, a 73 year old socialist from Vermont, Harry Reid and Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer, literally all of them on Social Security. That is the leadership of the Democratic Party. Once you get past President Obama and look forward, ironically, it's entirely backward looking uh, people who have achieved some things or not really in their past, uh, you know, history. And that's the future. That's the Democratic vision for the future. So I think on the whole, I prefer to have the messy Republican field with some youth, with people who've made it up the hard way, uh, with diversity of ideas, actually, uh, with even an unconventional candidate like a Ben Carson, uh, that I prefer that to the Democratic field and I prefer the Republican leadership now to the Democratic leadership in Congress. Um, I really hope Mitch McConnell, as I uh, asked him to, I think, in a, in, a, in a post online this week, if he would step back a little and let some of the young Republican senators be a little more right. the face, face of the Republican Senate to compliment Paul Ryan over on the House side, that would also be a good thing. But no, I now look, we feel optimistic now, and God knows the GOP will do plenty of things to make us uh, worried at best and morose at worst <laughs> the, over the next few weeks and months. But I am, I am, uh, I, I do think the contrast ends up helping. Right. And it's, I, uh, and not to blame the point, because I want to get to foreign policy for a second, but it's more than just contrast. You know, the rule in politics is you are the last thing you did. And that's why I refuse to rule Chris Christie out. Who knows what could happen as Bush completely disappears? Christie could have a, a moment where Bridgegate disappears because he's this new thing. What does it mean to be a Republican? If a year ago, if you said Republican, they'd say, oh, Mitt Romney, you know, button down, you know, maybe a, a fire breathing evangelical in a field that is Donald Trump and Ben Carson and Marco Rubio. And it's hard to say that that's what it means to be a Republican. And I think it's very possible that a, a lot of people who just said, I'm not a Republican. I do not see myself ever in that box are going to relook at that box because they realize, oh my gosh, this is a lot bigger, a lot more diverse, a lot more different ideas than I realized. And this could be good for the Republican Party, particularly the voters 40 and younger who know Donald Trump mostly as that guy they watch on TV. Yeah, and I think you see some sign of that in the attend the viewership for the Republican right. debates, which has been so high. Uh, now, about foreign policy, I, uh, I, I don't know how to process there will not be boots on the ground, absolutely not boots on the ground, never be boots on the ground, okay, boots on the ground, but we haven't changed anything. And watching the White House try to make the case that nothing is different in Syria today, even when 50 uniformed American soldiers are in Syria, surrounded by ISIS, Iran, and Russia. No, it doesn't seem, it's not serious. No one in the region thinks it's serious. Um, I mean, if you're going to go in, let's go in and do it right and have a real plan, a military plan. Uh, this could end up being, I, I, mean, I hope it, obviously everything goes well and the soldiers do fine and are able to assist the Kurds and kill a lot of bad guys and don't get hurt themselves. But um, it's, it's just a heck of a way to run a foreign policy. And I, I, I'd say the degree of unhappiness among the military and among people who know something serious. I saw the piece by our former ambassador to uh, to uh, Syria, Ambassador Ford, a career civil servant, not to my knowledge, particularly conservative or anything like that, just kind of the degree of just distress that this is where American foreign policy has ended up. That is something the Republican candidates really need to obviously uh, articulate and then have their own path going forward. 
that's a challenge, I think, for Ben Carson in particular, because, you know, Cruz and Rubio are both senators who are interested in foreign policy. Cruz is on armed services, Rubio on the intelligence and, and foreign relations committees. Um, it's interesting to see what this is where I think your question of can you see Ben Carson behind that desk in the Oval Office getting the phone call at 3 a.m.? You know, if he could convince people that he was up to being commander in chief, right. people would decide what you, you know what you said before. He's a good man and maybe also a good politician. He does pretty well in these polls against Hillary Clinton. If he could actually be commander in chief, uh, Carson remains for me a very intriguing possibility. I don't think he's going to be the nominee. I don't think he probably should be the nominee. But I, I, I think people here in Washington are ruling him out. Uh, they, they sort of talk about him. Well, when Carson goes away, then what's going to happen? Right. Carson was like, well, well, I don't think the voters got the memo that he's supposed to go away. <laughs> And something that was pointed out in the uh, one of the blogs today at the Weekly Standard is you start looking at the uh, how much people just like this field in general, and particularly Ben Carson. His likability numbers are crazy. I mean, it's it's amazing. And then you look at uh, you know poor Jeb Bush, but also Donald Trump. In a general election, the only Republican that's in the field that people say nope, just can't do it is Donald Trump. The rest of the field, America looks at them and goes, as of right now, yeah. Uh, they could be president. And that's what a, what a thing to say about a field, which last time I checked, I think there are 347 Republicans, Bill, running. I'm not sure. Yeah, about right. that and ballpark. I, I think the one implication of that, though, the one guy for whom if you if what you say it turns out to be correct, that is, they all turn out to be it's matching up, be matching up adequately with Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the one of those the, the serious contender that, that helps the most, I think, is Ted Cruz, because what's really the argument against Cruz? A right. lot of conservatives like him and respect him and agree with him. They think, and there's been some reason to think this in the past, that he's going to be considerably less likely to win than, let's say, Marco Rubio. If you start seeing some polls where Cruz is actually has a reasonable shot against Clinton, that helps him a lot, I think. Absolutely. Well, you've helped us a lot try to figure out what's going on this week. Bill Crystal. thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.